Good morning, everyone. I'd like to add my Easter morning greetings to you. Our scripture for today is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Can anyone of you tell me who this man is? Do you recognize him? Go ahead and share your guesses out there. This is a picture of Harry Houdini. You recognize that name? Harry Houdini's claim to fame was that he was a phenomenal magician and excellent escape artist. He died in October of 1926. Not many of you were around at night, back then. But before that, he was said to have laughed at locks and sneered at chains. Houdini was said to have the flexibility of an eel and the lives of a cat. They did all kinds of things to trap him. They would seal him in coffins and he would escape. They riveted him in a boiler and he would escape. They sewed him in canvas bags and he escaped. They locked him into high security maximum prison and somehow old Harry still got out. But then in October of 1926, death laid its hands on Harry Houdini and he would never escape. As a matter of fact, he told his wife when he was talking about death, if there is any way out, I will find it. If there is any way out, I will find you and I will make contact with you on the anniversary of my death. For 10 years after Harry's death, his wife kept a light burning at the bottom of his portrait. And after 10 years, she turned out the light. Death had laid its hands on Harry Houdini, and he could not escape. Death laid its hands on the Lord Jesus Christ also. And death laid him in a rock tomb. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. Jesus did what Houdini and every other human who has tried could never do. He arose from death. And he arose in a new body. The message of what we have come to call Easter is the most important message in the world. That is the message in its simplest fact that Jesus Christ is alive today. He is no longer dead behind us. He is alive in front of us. Resurrection Sunday is this, that Christ died for our sins and he rose again. And then he sent his Holy Spirit so that he could be in us and that we could be in him. I'd like to welcome everyone who's tuning in, uh, Community Grace Church family and friends that are near and friends that are far. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in with us today on this Resurrection Sunday in the year 2020 when we're all sitting at home or somewhere other than here 
but we're tuned in and we're together today in good news. The passage in the Bible that we're going to look at today is Colossians 3, 1 through 4, which I just read. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those uh, to Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you don't have your Bibles with you, that's no big deal. Just sit back and relax, but pay attention. Pay attention and listen to God's word to you today. And we have two very special features today as our day goes on. As you can see, uh, we're set up for them uh, that will add a lot of enjoyment and impact on this message today. So we'll look forward to those. The book of Colossians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the young and new church in the city of Colossae about 30 years after Jesus died and was buried and raised from the dead, about 30 years later. And Jesus had trained the apostles to begin his new kingdom expression, to begin his new family, the church, his people, his body. And he left his Holy Spirit to empower the movement that they were to start, the movement of grace and salvation, which still continues mightily today, even this very moment. And we are bringing our focus on Colossians 3, 1 through 4 today on this Easter Sunday because it's an awesome text in Scripture, first of all. But what it does, it describes our involvement with Christ's resurrection. Our involvement with Christ's resurrection. Just as he was raised from the dead, so we are raised to new life. And that's a message that everybody needs to hear. And honestly, everybody wants to hear it. Deep down inside. Maybe they're not aware of it yet, but deep down inside, at the root of our desires, we, there, we have a soul that longs to know its creator, that longs to find its purpose, to be filled with what only God can fill through Christ, and to find the life that God offers through Jesus Christ. So Colossians does all this. It's a beautiful book for our Easter meditations because Colossians offers four areas of information that humans are really, really seeking. Here's what Colossians offers. It's a short letter, but it offers these four things. It offers us who Jesus really is. It offers us what Jesus really did. It tells us where sin really leads or why is the world in such a messed up condition like it is. And fourth, what following Jesus really means. Let me say a brief word about those four things as I introduce the book of Colossians, who Jesus really is. First of all, it says that Jesus was not just a man who started this worldwide movement 2,000 years ago. Now, he was that, but he was so much more. Colossians says he was the man who was God. The triune God, the Godhead, is a trinity. Three persons in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Colossians 1 says about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that in everything he might be preeminent. So Christ is greater than everything. He is above everything. He's more important than everything in the universe. That's who Jesus really is. What Jesus really did, Colossians tells us this too. He created everything. He's the creator of everything that exists, and he sustains everything. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the creator and sustainer of the universe. This is Jesus. Further, he became a human and entered our existence, our history. He became one of us to die for our sins. This is who he is, what he did. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, And you he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. That's what Jesus really did. The third thing I said Colossians does is tell us where sin really leads, ultimately to death. But before death is all the pain and the suffering that exists in the world today. And the emptiness and the deceptions and tricks and lies that beat us up so badly throughout our life. That's where sin really leads. And fourth, and finally, what Colossians teaches us is what following Christ really means. And we'll get there today. That's where we're going to be focusing today, is where following Christ really leads. This is where the hope that Christ gives us really takes off in our lives. We're going to launch that today, and then we're going to spend the next several weeks journeying through Colossians 3 and 4 until that journey is finished, until the book is finished over the next few weeks. But today we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to launch this today with two main points in our time together today. Two main points that challenge you to think and to respond today. The first of those points is that we must believe that Christ is risen. We must believe that Christ is risen. Jesus left his grave clothes behind in that tomb, and he passed through the walls of that closed tomb with his new resurrection body. It's important for you to know that the stone was rolled away from the grave, as pictured here in, in famous paintings. And in what you know about Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out. He was already out. The stone was rolled away so that the women who arrived first and the disciples could go in and see that he wasn't there anymore. This is the message of Easter, that Jesus Christ has risen and that he is alive. Let's look at verse 1 of Colossians 3, where Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Christ is risen from the dead, and our life is inseparably interwoven with that truth. You get that? That changed everything. It changes everything. If we've believed in him, that changes everything for us. It changes your entire life, everything about it. That Jesus rose from the dead, that changed everything. Let's begin exploring what this means. We'll explore first by remembering why Christ had to die in the first place. That's where we need to start. Why Christ had to die. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever asked that? Why did Jesus have to die? Here's the answer. Because of sin, death entered the world. God didn't want that. But it's here. And that's the one thing that everyone in the world has in common. Every single person in the world who ever lived has this in common. Death. 
For thousands of years, it seemed that death would reign and rule. God had created life in perfection and harmony, but Adam and Eve gave into Satan's deception and temptation to disobey God, thinking that they would be like God when they did, that they would be their own object of worship, that they would be free from constraints, that they would be the only thing that mattered to themselves. Okay, that's Adam and Eve. Now, we can't blame them. We can't blame them. A part of us desires the same thing all the time, all day, every day, to be our own boss, to not have to depend on anybody, to not have to answer anybody, to consider our own interest as most important, essentially to worship ourselves. We all want the same thing. But by Adam and Eve's sin, sin entered the world, and every human and all of creation fell by it. It became dark. We became separated from God. And suffering and death and sickness and disease became a reality for everyone. Sin results in death. Now, we don't like to talk about death. We try to avoid it. Death is scary. It's sobering. We don't like to be sobered. We know we all have to face it. Despite scientific advancements and nutritions and health plans, there's no way to stop it. But God offered hope. After thousands of years of death, Christ came onto the scene. And that was 2,000 years ago now. And he came with power over the enemy of death. And as we read about his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, we read that he showed clear power over death. First, he brought a widow's son back to life. In Luke chapter 7, we read about that. He demonstrates, whoa, this guy has power over death. He did it again. Luke 8 records he did the same thing for Jairus' daughter. And then later, perhaps most strikingly, dramatically, he raised Lazarus from the dead and called him to come out of the tomb. Remember, grave clothes and all. Here comes Lazarus. Yes, Jesus had power over death because he was God. People had feared death for centuries, and Jesus demonstrated that he had power over it, and people sensed hope. But then Jesus himself was put to death. The one who raised others from the dead was raised himself on a cross to die. Why did he die? Because God is holy and sin deserves death. That's why we all die. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's clear. But it goes on to say, But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because the law was powerless to save because no one can keep it perfectly anyway. The law, they couldn't bring life. People were still trapped in death. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son, Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. This is why Jesus died. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. It's a fancy way of saying Jesus died for us. This is what he did and accomplished in his death. 
So because he loves us and he wants us to live, Jesus died for us to take our death, our punishment away and give us life. That's why we worship him, because he's got the power to do that, because he's got the love for us to do that. 1 Peter 2.24 puts it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been healed by his wounds. That's why Jesus died. Now, why did Christ arise from the dead? Why did Christ gloriously arise from the dead is our next question. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are historical facts. And this is important to know about the Christian faith. It's based in historical facts. There's no other way to account for Christianity, how it just exploded as it has, and how it's transformed so many billions of lives. There's no other way to explain it. And if Christ has not been raised, 1 Corinthians 15 says about Jesus' resurrection, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Christ was raised from the dead. Paul goes on in that passage to say, and we Christians would be of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Jesus is alive because he's God. Now, because he's God and because he died for us, his works demand a response. His works demand a response. And now I'm ready to get to the second point of my message tonight. But before I do, I'm going, to, in a, I'm going to make a switch here that you've seen on the TV, a switch from the Easter PowerPoint to launch the Colossians series, Christ is Greater Than All, right now. Since we're in Colossians 3, 1 through 4 today, and we're going to stay in Colossians chapter 3 and chapter 4 until we're finished with it over the coming weeks, we're going to kick that off right now here on Resurrection Sunday. So his works for us demand a response from us. We must first believe that he's alive, and second, now we must respond to the risen Christ. This demands a response. How are you going to respond? You can't just ignore this anymore. Please don't. We must respond to the risen Christ. If, if you have received his gift of new life that he bought and paid for and gives to us by his grace, if that is you, or once that is you, because I really believe that someone out there, some people out there are considering this and will give their lives to Christ today or very, or very soon. Once you do and once that's happened in our lives, we've been taken from death to life. We've been liberated. We've been set free from all bondage by Jesus' infinite power. We've been liberated from death. Once that is you, what do we do? What do we do? And that's my next question is how should we respond? How should we respond to the risen Christ? First answer is by seeking what is above. We're going to look back at Colossians 3 verse 1 again, which we read a few minutes ago. Let's look at it again. By seeking what is above. Paul writes, if then you have been raised with Christ, then... Seek things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Jesus is alive and well. He's alive and well. And he's looking at us right now. He's seated in his kingdom. And we have been raised with him, Paul says. Now think about this. Our identification with him is so complete that we actually stand right now in him, positionally, we actually stand with him in heaven on the resurrection side of the grave. We're there. That is secured for us. We don't need to seek anywhere else for truth. We don't need to seek anywhere else for meaning. We don't need to seek anywhere else for forgiveness or for hope. Jesus gives it all. We're there. We have it. Seek him. Jesus says this himself in Matthew 6, He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Seek him first. That's our priority. All these other things he'll take care of. Seek the things that are above because Christ is there and we're there positionally already too. Praise God. Hallelujah, right? I can't hear you say amen, but say it anyway. Seek the things that are above. Now, Paul's not done there yet, so he tells us to focus on the things that are above too. Seek the things that are above and then focus. Set your mind on the things that are above. That's the second way we respond to the risen Christ, by focusing on what is above. Verse 2 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So Christian, you are alive in Christ, all right? You are a permanent citizen of heaven. You're a permanent citizen of heaven. That's where your citizenship is now. Now, you and I need to live on this earth for a few more years or several more years, whatever the case may be. And we need to do the great things that God has given us to do in humility. And we need to do them well. But don't unpack your bags, okay? Don't get too comfortable here. This isn't all there is. This isn't the main thing that there is. But this is where we're called and equipped to go serve for Jesus right now. But your old life has been replaced by a better one. Your old life's been replaced by a better one. You are a new person, a reborn person. So it follows... Okay, it follows logically that your focus, your main attention, your main affections, your desires should not be on the stuff of this fallen world. And I hope it doesn't have your main affections and desires and pursuits. Those are Christ. Focus rather on your true home. We live down here on the earth, but we need to get our minds up there. And here's the beautiful thing, that when we get our minds up there, we are so much better down here. We're so fruitful down here. When we have our eyes on Christ, we're able to live here with the most freedom. When things get worse, we don't get bitter. We get better with our eyes fixed on Christ. We don't get worried when the world falls apart. We move about this world with freedom and with power and with hope, and with confidence in Christ. So that's why we focus on what's above, on Jesus. And how do we do that? Oh, man, we have more of that answer. How do we do that? Step by step, coming um, in the next few weeks. Uh, just some, some, some ways to throw out there right now. It's not about just coming to church on Sundays. All right, that's a myth that needs to die. This is life. This is a radical transformation of our entire lives. And it comes from the Word. 
So we need to meditate on the word and memorize it and fill, fill our lives with this. This is how we learn God and his calling for us. That's why we study it. Study it all, all throughout your life every day. Here's a great quote that I just read from J.C. Ryle, an old English pastor from the last century. He says, what is the best safeguard for false doctrine? The Bible, regularly read, regularly prayed over, and regularly studied. He knows what he's talking about. He's lived it. But I would also add regularly lived out in community with other people and also regularly put into action in your life. So this is what we do. This is a, a, our book. We're known, Christians are known as people of the book. And there's a reason for that. This is how God has revealed himself to us primarily. So we do all kinds of things. And that raises the next question. Why should we respond this way? And Paul explains in verses 3 and 4. First, because we are hidden with Christ in God. Let's look at verse 3. We are hidden with Christ in God. For you have died. He's going to say why. For, this is the reason. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You don't find this kind of teaching anywhere else in the world. Try to grasp what Paul's saying here. He's saying that you are dead. Your old life is dead. Your life now, listen to this, is hidden with Christ in God. What does this mean? It means that your life in Christ is beyond the condemnation of sin. You cannot be condemned just as much as Christ can. It means that your life is beyond the reach of meaningless, meaninglessness because God has given you meaning. It means that your life is beyond the reach of being unloved because he loves you very, very much. It means that your life is beyond the sting of death because even though we die, we have the certainty of eternal life on the other side. Your life is hidden with Christ, with him in God. That's why we respond to what Christ wants us to do, what respond in faith and belief and joy. God's not letting go of Christ, and he's not letting go of you. You are guaranteed a seat with him in heaven. Wow. Praise the Lord. All this because Jesus rose from the dead. Our great hope and assurance. And that is why you should respond to Jesus today, my friends. Will you? Will you? It's not good enough to say, yeah, I need something right now. And Jesus sounds good. You know, this message kind of builds me up, uh, but I'm not ready to give my life to him. That doesn't do you any good. Don't you see? You have to die to yourself to become alive in him, which is so much better. And you'll be able to say, since I have died with Christ, I have been raised with Christ just like this passage says, will you do that today and experience the joy of our Lord Jesus? And when you do, 
Or, since you have, the second amazing reason that we should respond to the risen Christ today, it doesn't end yet. There's one more amazing reason that we should respond to Jesus yet, and that's because our glory is in Christ. Jesus, by his grace and power, goes beyond just giving us new life and meaning. He shares his glory with us. Look at this verse, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Jesus returns, he will share his glory with us, and we are perfected with him. He shares the glory that only he has and that only he deserves. He shares it with us. One of my daughters said twice this week, actually, as we were reading uh, the book of Luke chapter by chapter over the course of the last couple weeks, she said twice this week, man, Jesus was amazing. I really wish that I could have been there with him and, and met him and seen what he was like. And then on the second time she said that, she said, you know, and it's almost not fair that those people got to and we don't. All right. And she's right in a way. Yeah, I think we've all thought that. That would, have been, that would have been fun. That would have been really nice to hang out with Jesus. But friends, we need to consider that God has, Jesus has shared his glory with us and we're going to be walking face to face with him and enjoying his company forever, for eternity. He will perfect us so that we're able to do that. In person, all of us, forever and ever, will you respond to him? He's calling you to and now's the time Now's the time. Friends, don't let the day go by without meditating and choosing to respond to this today. Don't miss this moment without taking these two next steps. The first one, become alive in Christ today. Again, as been said, if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior from sin and received his new life, his forgiveness, you can today, right now. He's done the work already. It's finished. Christ is on the throne, and he's inviting you to be his, a part of his life. And you're here watching this today for a reason. Yeah, somebody might have invited you or given you the link, or maybe you happened on it on Facebook or online. But the Holy Spirit also led you to this moment right now, and you can respond to him. Because you have to know and understand that Jesus is the Son of God, and died for you in order to receive that gift. If you'd like to do it today, you can trust Jesus by faith right now, right in your own home. Or if you desire, you can contact us in lots of different ways, and, uh, and we'll walk with you through your questions. But don't let this day go by. And you're welcome to be involved with the family of God at Community Grace Brethren Church, while you're on this journey of seeking and searching and contemplating and growing and then serving him and having fun with his people on his mission. And that's my second next step today is this. Join Community Grace for the Colossian series, which will change your life. The power of God's word will change your life. Now, there are several links on the pin to the top of the comment section here if you're watching this on Facebook right now. You can fill out the communication card by clicking that link. It's just a simple form that tells you that you were here today. We would really appreciate that if everybody just hops on there, lets us know that you were out there today, and then one prayer request or one response, one question, one comment, uh, let us know that you're out there today and how we can be praying for you. 
Give, you can give to the ministry of, of Community Grace however you feel led. Helps us make a difference in our local community and in the world. That link is there as well. And finally, click to see the, the schedule of upcoming events. We've got some great events planned. We're making the most of this opportunity. We have various worship nights. Uh, we're launching uh, a new small group on Zoom, of course, for the first however many meetings before we can actually gather again. Uh, men's meetings on Zoom and more that you, can find, that you can find information on right there. And next week, next Sunday, we are going to consider from Colossians 3, okay, that if we have been raised with Christ from death to glory, then certain things about our lives have to change. I think we know this, but a lot, a lot of the times we ask, I don't know what to do next. What, what, what does God even expect of me? And that's exactly what we're going to walk through step by step. Starting next week, it's exciting and it's life-changing. So I'm, I'm going to ask that you come back. God is going to give us a lot of guidance and a lot of grace and love and patience along the way. So I can't wait to see you back. Let me close this message with a word of prayer. Would you join me? Lord God, I thank you so much. Easter Sunday only comes around once a year, but really every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we meet on Sundays. And every moment of every day we celebrate who we are in Christ. So thank you so much. But this is a special day, and I pray that you are glorified today and that you're pleased and that our lives are changed uh, in all the best ways that you'd have for us. I pray that we'll go about our day uh, just with unspeakable joy and make a difference out however we can in our own neighborhoods. Lord, we give you our lives today, thanking you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.